parts of Psalm 37. As you came in, you should have uh, picked up uh, an outline. Uh, part of that reading is on the page. Beginning of Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, I can remember the first time uh, Sam's partner Sally visited us. Sally's from London. And uh, I picked them up from Staleybridge Station, drove them back up, and it was a nice evening. It was a lovely sunset. And um, as we drove onto Prospect Road, she looked across Tame Valley and she said this, isn't it beautiful? What a lovely view. And she was right. Now, listen, let's be honest. We don't often describe Duckenfield as what a beautiful place to live, do we? No. Um, but it took actually an outsider uh, with a different perspective to see differently to those perhaps who live here all the time. And it, and it really is a, a beautiful view right across the valley. Now, the past two and a half years have been challenging, to say the least. Um, and, of course, actually, we are now fully aware that we're going to be heading into um, another very challenging time. And, actually, it might certainly be more challenging than the pandemic. Uh, catastrophic hike in energy bills, uh, fueling an already rising inflation, there's a fear of mass business closures. It's actually starting to happen now, happening now. Ordinary people are unable to afford uh, the most uh, basics. There is the real possibility of energy rationing. Uh, we'll get more of that in the weeks to come. It's a little bit, looking at everyone's age here, it's, it's a little bit like living in the 70s again, isn't it? Can you, some of us, I can remember doing my French homework to candlelight. So um, the, the challenges, obviously that didn't happen in France, so, um, but what, what you missed then, you're, you're probably going to get in spades um, here. Um, so we know it's going to be a very, very challenging season, and yet God gives his people a different way of looking, a different way of seeing and understanding circumstances. We see the world differently. We understand the world differently. Now, that's not ignoring circumstances. That's not kind of pretending living in some fantasy land or sticking our heads in the sand. It's not singing, always look on the bright side of life, which is um, uh, often played at the end of funerals now. So um, no, actually that, that idea is, is very toxic. Always look on the bright side of life because sometimes it's not bright. Sometimes, uh, humanly speaking, things are not going to be good and, and they're not going to get better. This is, what I'm talking about is a gritty realism. Honest about circumstances, but we see differently. 
Now, during September, we're going to step back, as we often do at this time of year, and we're going to ask this question. How do we, at St. John's, look at our circumstances, look at things, look at the church in a gospel way? Paul uses a, a, a strange phrase um, to, to, to describe this. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, it's printed on the sheet. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's pretty key. And then it says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Um, well, our, our hearts don't have eyes, do they? So it, he's, he's using this phrase to describe a person who, because of knowing God, actually perceives and sees things differently. We see life differently. We see God differently. We see church differently. We see the present differently. We see the future differently. We see the hope to which he has called you. How? Well, again, it's about knowing God. Now, as a church, we have a statement which kind of sums up um, why we exist. And we see who we are and what we do through the lens of this statement. We exist to transform lives and communities by bringing people into a living and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we filter everything through that, especially the heart of that, the living and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what churches are about. But we shouldn't take that for granted because so often as, a, as groups of people we come together, we can get sidetracked from God's central purpose. And uh, when I look around at uh, churches locally, um, sometimes you see churches which would, would not have that uh, as the heart of why they exist. So we, we need to not take that for granted. A and this gives us a, a sense of seeing who we are, what we do, and what we might do. But these, this value, this, this, this description actually flows from the grace of God, his purpose, who he is and what he's done. And so these become inner convictions and values which shape our lives. And um, in September, we're going to look at four of these, four of these. A and we're going to see how these, these values will actually influence what we do as a church, who we are as a church, and how we plan as a church. Um, and and we'll, we'll see that they will change the way we look at things. Four values. Delight in God, grow in Christ, serve the church, and bless the world. And such people will have a very different way of looking at things. The eyes of our hearts, our, our perception begins to change. We're, we're not going to be influenced by circumstances. You know, that's what's happening now. We're not going to be influenced by tradition. That's what we've done in the past. Uh, we're not going to be influenced by my preferences. That's what I want. But values and convictions which flow out of the beauty and the grace of God. Here it is this week. Um, we are a people who delight in God. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, we need to be, un um, be clear that Psalm 37 is a psalm prayed and written under difficult circumstances. Um, David says, delight yourself in the Lord, but it's a very hostile environment. In other words, um, perhaps circumstances would force us to do anything but delight in the Lord. 
But actually, this phrase gives us a, a signpost as to how we can live in the visible world of difficulty and trial and fear, but at the same time seeing clearly the invisible world of God's purpose and sovereignty. David says, don't look at the, the world with fear. When you look at the psalm, there's a kind of a, um, a phrase used a lot here, and it's a phrase which increasingly I find many people have uh, in our community now. Have a look, verse 1. Do not fret. Do not fret. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Verse 8. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It's a fretty time, isn't it? It's a fretty time. That's the context of the psalm. And so in the, in, in the face of a very natural human response of being fearful and, and fretty, David says, delight yourself in the Lord. Stay close to him. And that goes back to, to that living and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's going to have practical benefits whilst living in a hostile environments. We're going to see things in different ways. Actually, verse 4 is a really good description of a Christian. What is a good, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who delights in the law or in the, um, in the laws. The message translation says, keep company with God, get in on the best. <laughs> keep company with God, get in on the best. You see, delighting in God means I start to understand he is the best and he is the greatest. He is the best I can have. He is the greatest I can have. He is the best I can know. He is the greatest I can know. But notice the phrase, delight yourself in the Lord. It's both a command as well as a joy. It's both a decision as well as a desire. I suppose the question is, do I want to delight in the Lord? That's the first question I, I need to answer. Do I really want to be a person who delights in the Lord? That I, I would know him as the best I can have, the greatest I can have. Do, do I want the, that desire of delighting in the Lord? You know, sometimes we read that and we think, well, actually, I would like that. I would like that desire. But frankly, if I'm being honest, that's not me at the moment. That's okay. If I want the joy of delighting in God, if I want the desire of delighting in God, then hear the command and make the decision. Hear the command and make the decision. So this becomes a decision I make. I say, God, I want to delight in you. I want to delight in you. I'm, and I'm going to pray. Lord, I ask that you may give me, both in my mind and in my heart as a felt experience, give me a growing sense of what it means to delight in you. I'm not there yet, but this is what I want. Can you see? It's a command. Delight. Do this. Make a decision. That feeling of desire can grow out of the decision I make. How do I do this? Well, I'm going to make one point um, this Sunday, and, that is the, and, and that's this. Delight in God as the most admirable. How do we do this? We delight in God as the most admirable. Now, we live in a culture, we love to admire celebrities and sports personalities and rock stars. Sometimes we admire celebrities just because they're celebrities. There's just no reason. Uh, some of these people are as thick as two short flank planks, really. Let's be honest about it. Uh, I mean, 
frankly, they, they couldn't do anything else in life apart from look into a mirror or a camera. Um, but anyway, hey-ho. Um, so I didn't need to say that, really, did I? No, I didn't. But you know what I mean. So, but we, we do. We, 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 there's something within us. We, we want to admire people. Delighting in God means both seeing and knowing his infinite admirableness. Is that a word? We see and know his infinite admirableness. In other words, he is alone worthy of my delight. His infinite love, his infinite grace, his infinite wisdom, his infinite power. Just have a look at verses Ephesians 1, 18 to 19. That picks up from the other Ephesians verses. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Then verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? The immeasurable. There's a link between the eyes of our heart being opened and his immeasurable greatness. And again, later on in Ephesians, as a prayer, Ephesians 3.19, that we may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In other words, this is immeasurable, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a paradox there, by the way. God calls us to know what is ultimately beyond knowledge. This is beyond knowledge, and yet still, God calls us to enter into a knowing of who this is. We will, never, we will never do that fully because God is God and we're not. But still he invites us to know in part the immeasurable greatness, the admirableness of God's perfection. Um, delighting in God, therefore, as I said this last week, is linked to delighting in his word. You cannot separate the two. Because it's his word, written word, which reveals his admirableness. We see the beauty of God ultimately revealed in the beauty of Jesus Christ. And we see that revealed to us in his word. So without God's word, it's going to be very difficult to delight in God. Because we won't know who we delight in. Uh, there's a lovely quote here uh, from Jonathan Edwards, um, which he used in the 1700s preaching a sermon. Um, the sermon was called The Excellencies of Christ. See, again, you know, we delight in him because of his excellencies. You know, we're not, we're not delighting in him because, you know, he's like some sort of modern celebrity who just stands up and, and looks pretty. No, the, the, the scriptures reveal the nature and the character of God, which in turn leads us to delight in him. Here's, uh, here's the quote. Um, the person of Christ brings together infinite highness and infinite condescension. That means uh, the ability to become lowly. Infinite justice, infinite grace, infinite glory and lowest humility, infinite majesty and transcendent meekness, deepest reverence towards God in equality with God, infinite worthiness of good and greatest patience under suffering evil. And it goes on. I in other words, as we begin to know this God, then we begin to delight in him more. It's both a head and a heart, a mind and emotions thing said this before, you, you cannot truly love what you do not truly know. And so delighting in God means coming and starting to realize his admirableness. <laughs> he is worthy of that. We enjoy, don't we, spending time with people, um, friends or a, a spouse, and sometimes we enjoy their company. Um, you just enjoy their company. And what you do 
is actually not as important as who you're with. That's true, isn't it? What you do with certain people is not as important as who you're with because the joy and delight is in who you're with, not in what you do. We just enjoy, we just delight in them. You see what David is saying here? Remember, it's, this is in a hostile environment. David says, delight yourself in the Lord. And, and practically, that means delighting in worship. Because worship is about meeting with him. Worship is about meeting with him together as God's people. But also, worship needs to be built into the discipline and the diary and the the daily schedules of our lives. So that there are times in our day when we would come and we would come around his word and we would worship Delighting in worship, meeting him, verse 7 in the psalm, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. See, that's, that's part of what it means to delight in the Lord, that we will have times when we're still before the Lord, we'll wait for him. Uh, again, it's repeated, verse 34, wait for the Lord, keep his way. That, that we build these times into our lives uh, when we know what it is to delight in him around his work. Satan is in the business of killing our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ. God's people should should enjoy the beauty of Jesus Christ. And and Satan will do everything he can to stop us from from enjoying the beauty of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks about seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. And Satan will prevent that enjoyment. But that actually means we can enjoy this. This is something we can enjoy. Do you want to enjoy this? Do you want that enjoyment to be a part of your daily life? Remember that the, the psalm is, 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 is prayed in a hostile environment. You can imagine that a people who delight in God because he's the most beautiful, he's the best, will, will, will have different perspectives on life. Our vision will be different the way we see things. And he will shape me too, because what I delight in will change my desires. Have a look. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, someone might say, that's brilliant. You know, I want a, I want a country estate in Scotland. The desires of my heart. I want this, I want that. Hmm, just, just let read it. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. What I delight in will affect what I desire. What I delight in will affect what I desire. If my ultimate delight is in my profession, my, that, will, that will be my ultimate desire. I, if my um, ultimate delight I- is in my leisure activities, those are going to be my ultimate desires. If my ultimate delight is in my material possessions, then those will be my desires. If my ultimate delight is in my family, those will be my ultimate desires. But what does it say? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight and desire go together. And so as we start to delight more in God, as we start to see him as as the best, as we start to see the excellencies of his character, that starts to change our desires. That makes sense, doesn't it? What we delight in changes our desires. And so as we delight in the Lord, 
The desires he gives us will actually flow out of that. So my prayer is at St. John's, um, we would prioritize anything that grows and deepens our delight in God. That makes sense, doesn't it? That, that as a church, that the utter priority, the heart of what we do, it is about that living and growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which means delighting in God. Interesting, how can we do that? How can we prioritize that? Above all things as a church, how can we um, increase and increasingly become a people who delight in God? So make a decision. This is what I want. Um, and, and that might mean making a decision even though we don't have that in our hearts, but we'll pray and ask that God gives us that. We make a choice. We make space. We make the commitments because we start to see the, the, the Lord as, as, as wonderful above all things. Um, the, 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 the immeasurable greatness of who he is leads people naturally to delight in him. And I guess as we head into this winter, we're going to need that very different perspective, aren't we? Um, surrounded by um, a, a, a lot of uh, difficult things, um, putting on an extra jumper, uh, getting out your thermal on you. Actually, we're thinking, no, I won't tell you about that. We delight in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you invite us to delight in you. And I pray that as a church, as individuals, but as a church together, we may increasingly know what it is to delight in you. And that that might give us, like it did David, a very different perspective on life. We ask this for your glory's sake.